Hello, everyone out there in the 6570 family project world. You guys, I have a question for you. When a storm comes through a forest, does it make a beautiful log cabin when it's done? No, of course it doesn't. In order for something to be built, it takes planning and designing. And that is exactly what we do here in the 6570 family project. Listen, we have a whole new year coming up soon. And that year is going to come and go no matter what. But you have an opportunity to build something great, build something amazing in its place. And that takes, you guessed it, designing and planning. And you guys, I created a perfect New Year family check-in for you so you can do just that. It's a quick 15-minute guide that everyone can have. You want to print out one for everyone, and it will help you reflect back and build forward in this incredible new year. Go pick it up right now. It is over at NellieHarden.com slash Happy New Year. That is N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N.com slash Happy New Year. Right there, no no spaces in there with Happy New Year. So go grab that and get building forward in this incredible new year, new opportunity we have coming at us. All right, everyone, happy building. Well, hello, you guys. I have such a special guest on for you today. Her name is Elaine Mason. You guys, she has been a part of my life for a very long time, and I am so excited to bring her to you. She is enigmatic and full of life in so many ways. And she has opened doors for me, both mentally and emotionally that I just didn't even know were there. They had so much stuff in front of them, you know, those kind of doors. But Elaine Mason, you guys, she is a certified financial planner, business coach, presidential marketing director for the Juice Plus Company. Uh, She spent the first 10 years of her professional life helping high wealth clients really preserve and grow their wealth. And after having her two beautiful daughters uh, that are now 23 and 25, you'll get to hear all about them. She decided to retire from the financial planning world and stay home with her girls, where she really embraced an opportunity in the health and wellness industry, which she has been in now for over 20 years. That opportunity has allowed her to impact thousands of people, take charge of their physical and financial health, and it has been such a beautiful journey for her. I can't wait for you to hear from her. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. If you are a parent of a tween, teen, or somewhere on the way, this is exactly the place for you. This is the playground for parents who want to raise their kids with intention, strength, and joy. Come and hear all the discussions, get all the tactics, and have lots of laughs along the way. We will dive into the real challenges in raising kids today, how to show up as parents and teach your kids how to show up as members of the family and individuals of the world. My name is Nellie Harden, big city girl turned small town, sip an iced tea on the front porch mama who loves igniting transformation in the hearts and minds of families by helping them build self-led discipline and leadership that elevates the family experience and sets the kids up with a rock solid foundation they can launch their life on all before they ever leave home. This is the 6570 Family Project. Let's go. 
Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. You guys, I have a very special guest on here today. Um, Elaine Mason has been a part of my life for 10 years now, which is insane to think about. But back before when I was just uh, a fledgling and um, not even thinking about business and what this could look like and the transformation that business has led me on through all of these years, these past 10 years and where I'm at today versus where I was um you know, that first day. In fact, the very first time I ever met Elaine was during a very tragic time um, that happened. And it was the very first time I ever spoke to her or was going to speak to her was actually the day I found out that my dad had died. And I found out like 10 minutes before we were supposed to get on the call. And so ever our entire uh, life together for the last 10 years has been dramatic and exciting in some ways and um, amazing in others. And, um, but anyway, I cannot, uh, I can't say how excited I am to have you on here because Elaine has always been one of those people that has inspired me and especially uh, definitely in business, definitely in who she is. She's hilarious beyond measure, but even more so you have always really encouraged me, whether you knew it or not, and inspired me in parenting. Um, when I came to her house uh, a little while ago and um, down in uh, Georgia, I saw these glimpses of amazing parenting and I was blown away and it inspired me to come home and start making changes right away. So all of that to say, welcome to the show, Elaine. <laughs> Well, thank you. I tell you what, I'll have to come every Friday, I guess. I'm on cloud nine now. Oh. Thank you for the sweet words. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this. you are such a great storyteller and uh, just the stories of where you've come from and your family growing up, your family that you have with your husband, Scott and the girls and all of the things that you've done have just been so touching to me in the entire way around. So without me just gushing on you this whole time, let me know, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you guys uh, do as a family. Well, who am I? Um, (laughs) I am a, uh, Believe it or not, my father was a minister, and so I grew up kind of feeling a bit like a fish in a fishbowl, um, but both my parents, my I, I watched my parents model a great relationship with each other, and my brother and I both had a good relationship with my parents, despite kind of the typical um, preacher's kid that normally you hear about, um, and I, I do credit my parents for being... Um, just proactive in their parenting. And so that was kind of, although my dad was a minister, he also was very involved in business. So I watched he and my mom work together uh, from a, just being a pastor and a wife working together within the church. I also saw them work together very closely from a business perspective. My dad never uh, never took a salary from any of the churches he was a part of but he still figured out how to make money um, and and care for our family. And he and my mom did that together through business. So kind of got an early glimpse of what it looks like to, to really pursue business as well as any other, you know, desires of your heart. And so 
that was kind of fun to watch, just to watch my parents. And kind of like you said, you know, we had some serious things happen in our life that um, were difficult, but I watched my parents go through difficult times and, and certainly learn from, from them and just very appreciative mm-hmm. of, the, of the family God, God that I was born into. Mm-hmm. Um, God was good. He brought along a distant, amazing man that just, you know, I feel like we fit together like peanut butter and jelly. And, um, and so from the get go, both of us had a desire to have a great marriage. I think, I think just that intentionality kind of holds you accountable. And, um, we got started in a young married class at our church and, um, made that decision that maybe 10, 15 years into our marriage, we wanted to give back to, and so we are marriage mentors um, to our church and typically are taking um, engaged couples through about a 10 week program and getting them ready for marriage. And, And so I think knowing that our desire was to have a great marriage and what we ultimately wanted to do was give back, um, helped us be intentional when it came to our marriage. And then, then with our kids. Mm. Yeah. So true. (laughs) Oh, and, um, so with that, you touched on it a little bit for sure, but when, you were growing up, you had some of this influence from business and what you were being taught. And can you just dive into that a little bit more throughout your early childhood, maybe your middle and even early adulthood, where were those influences coming from? Because you are a gangbusters, you know, businesswoman. Now you've been um, being in health and wellness now for 20, over 20 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. And before that, it wasn't like you didn't have a career either. You had a career before the career, before this career. And so tell me a little bit about where all of those beautiful influences came from and maybe some people that were strategic in that. I, uh, right out of college, I went into financial planning and was not something that I had on my radar, actually in that young married class. I just moved, got married, moved to Atlanta, and um, they had mentioned that there was a position open in a financial planning firm called Ronald Blue and Company. And I, uh, I didn't know of the company, but my husband did. And he was like, I was in the process of looking for a job. And he said, oh, that's what you need to go interview there. And it, it was just, I think, That was a huge influence on my life, especially when it came to our finances. Although my parents were very good money managers, they they were great examples, but I never really saw them really trying to influence me into leadership or anything like that. And and maybe to the contrary, I, I look at where my drive comes from and I almost think it was a negative in my life. And, you know, we hear about God using all things for our good. I watched my father set my brother up in one business after another. And I always felt like yelling, I've got good businesses. I want to do this. Set me up. Help me. Hello. And, you know, I don't know if that was just kind of the, his generation. Yeah, he just yeah. wanted me to marry well. And so I think maybe that kind of that negative feeling like I was overlooked 
maybe put that fire in me that I'm going to show you that I got your business sense, you know, and I got my mom's <laughs> financial, you know, management. And, you know, I think between seeing their example and then that little bit of a fire that I wasn't getting what I saw my brother get mm-hmm. instead of it turning into a negative, it actually turns it into a positive for me. And so I think that's probably where my fire comes from is, a bit of, but I may need some counseling, <laughs> but it, it, it drives totally me. And, and I'm grateful for it. I look back and I'm not, I don't have, had a great relationship with my dad and it, and it worked out. So yeah. that probably, so I got into financial planning. Absolutely love that. Really learned so much um, working as a financial planner. Then when I got ready to have kids and you know, I, w- I specialized in tax, so it was nothing for a good three or four months to be working 80 hours uh, a week. And so I knew that wasn't sustainable when I had young children. And so I, um, I quit work and then they asked me to work from home and then it wasn't fun anymore. You know, I wasn't around <laughs> people. And, and so, um, and then I just started praying that God would bring me something that, that I could contribute and bring money to the bottom line, but yet it would never supersede what I was doing with my children and my husband. And, and God brought me, I remember being at a, um, Ken Blanchard was speaking in a mm. conference and, and I remember just like visualizing five years down the road, what do you want your life to look like? Mm-hmm. And I'm married to somebody who is extremely futuristic. Um, you know, if you know the strength finders, one of his is futuristic <laughs> and he has always done planning since we were married. We, every year, 33 years now, we've gone every January on a planning retreat. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think both marriage and Child raising, being intentional, in my opinion, is is probably the number one thing. If um, if we're going to do it right, it it doesn't just happen. It it takes intentional planning, strategy, uh, conversations. You know, it's it's being intentional. Absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of that, you know, that is something that I definitely work on with my clients is starting with the end in mind. And so we need to plan what we want the end to look like, and then we need to actually build the map to get there. Right. Um, and I think in parenting, because it is such a, when you're in it, a long runway, but then when you're out of it, you know, you look back and you're like, that was so short, right? 18 years, 6,570 days. And so, when you're in it, it can feel like, oh, whatever, you know, that'll happen later. We'll figure that out later. We'll do that later. I was talking yesterday about um, one of the community questions I had had was um, how do I, you know, stop policing? I feel like I'm always policing. And I was talking about, well, when they're young, it's easy to be like, oh, that's super cute and funny. But then you got to also ask yourself uh, in five years, is this still going to be super cute and funny? Or should we maybe at least talk about this and address this a little bit, you know? Absolutely. And um, so speaking of that, I remember when I was at your house, one of, I, I just remember it so clearly, I was staying in one of your beautiful daughter's bedrooms and um, I looked at the wall and to your point of this planning, 
there was this framed, like this, these are my intentions for the year. And I don't remember how she must've been maybe early, early, mid high school at that point. And these are my intentions for the year. This is how I'm going to accomplish them. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. (laughs) And I was like, oh, we need to start implementing this like ASAP at home. And so to that point, how has, you know, things like that, and maybe other things too, how has leadership being intentional, having that self-led discipline being put into your home and self-led discipline. So uh, Jim Rohn has the definition of discipline as discipline is the bridge between goal and accomplishment. And that is where I take discipline from for sure. You know, if you would have asked me, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, what discipline is, I would have been like spanking, you know, uh, grounding. I would have, you know, named all the consequences because that's what I would have equated as discipline, but over time, and especially in the health and wellness, and we've worked in that together for so long and all of the amazing people that we have met along the way, I really started to change and understand, oh, wait, discipline isn't consequences. Discipline is, is building that interior. Uh, of yourself and making sure that I can know when to see a problem, recognize that it is, have a goal to move it in a positive direction, go over the bridge of discipline and have an accomplishment on the other side. And so knowing all, all of those things, and I know you do because I know your family, how have you incorporated the leadership and self-led discipline into your parenting throughout these years? As you're talking, a couple of things come to mind, and I really go back to your point of when they're little, you know, it's kind of hard, but it's cute when they do funny things, but you're right, you know, is that going to be cute? What what pattern am I developing? Right. And I think I saw that early on where I've, I've got some pretty strong personalities <laughs> in my daughters, and they're opposites, you know, and I remember... Um, just having this conversation with my mom, I think I'm, I feel like I'm spanking, you know, my oldest daughter four times a day and it's not working, you know? And it was, I think part of being um, good parents is always trying to learn and grow and get ideas. And so I always was interviewing people who had great kids. And um, I, I remember early on, we started this, if then, so I knew if this happens, here, here is the consequences. And then I tied a Bible verse to them. So, you know, we don't lie. Here's the consequence. You know, here's what God's word says about lying. And here's the consequences. And so they literally helped me develop this chart. My two girls at the time were probably three and five. Mm. And, you know, here's, here's the offense. We don't do X, Y, Z. We don't whine because that makes everyone miserable. What's at, what should happen? Because I think we realize the more we can tie things to consequences naturally, then that's where they're going to start beginning to, I don't want to get involved almost not, not that I don't Mm -hmm. want to, but I found I get very emotional if I can pull the emotion out and if we're just dealing with the consequences, then they're monitoring their own behavior and they're spotting when the other one needs some. And I'll never forget when they would start whining that what they decided to tie to it, you had to scrub the baseboards in a room. 
<laughs> I remember one of them, the little one was running in, grabbing a bucket. And I'm like, what are you doing with that bucket? She was like, Ansley's whining, Ansley's whining. <laughs> he has to scrub the baseboards. And it's like, suddenly they were holding themselves accountable. I wasn't dealing with whining. And they learned to begin monitoring themselves. And, um, you know, another time I remember I'm, they're both in the bathtub. I hear this huge bucket of water come over, <laughs> splashing. I'm like, are you serious? They're probably about three and five. And I walk in and they're just looking at me and I'm like, okay, who, who just threw the bucket of water on the floor? And Ansley, my oldest was like, it was me. And so I said, okay, what's the consequences for deliberate disobedience? And, and so the funny, so she said, three swats. And I said, okay, three swats. So I walk out and I hear her say to Sydney, my youngest, did you see that? Four swats if you lie, only three if it's direct disobedience. And I'm like, you know, it's like it just removed the emotion. They knew what they had done wrong, you know, so it just eliminated all the way through high school, just you know, that's at a young age, but just having those goals, knowing where they were going, it just helped them monitor themselves and hold themselves accountable. And it made it a whole lot easier to parent. Yeah. So, you know, and, and probably at about seven and nine, we started taking them on our planning retreats. And, you know, we focused on their spiritual lives, their physical lives, emotional and mental what are we going to do this year to develop and grow you in each one of those categories? And so we were real intentional, you know, to expose them. And at times I'd look at Scott and say, really, are they old enough to be exposed to that? And to, and, you know, he's like, you know what, we got to give them a lot of freedom, but with that comes a lot of responsibility. So, you know, you want a phone in the sixth grade, that was a big deal to get a phone, you know? Oh, yes. I know my kids are a lot older than, but you know, if that's the case, then you have to pay for it. Mm. You're the one that ha- are, is responsible for, you know, here, here's the, the ground rules of, of having the freedom of having a phone at that age. And, and so it was kind of fun watching them, you know, sometimes watching them make mistakes at, at um, I think it was 10 and 12, we totally, totally handed over their finances and they got so much money a month. They didn't ask for anything. If they ran out of money, I remember one of them had a birthday party. She had no money left in her budget. I was like, wow, I feel sorry for your friends. You're going to a birthday party without bringing them a gift. Mm. And I just remember her being struggling. And I said, but you bought a brand new dress you haven't worn yet. What if you wear an old dress to what you were gonna wear your new dress to? Mm-hmm. And if he gave you your friend a new dress and it, you know, just watching that struggle of trying, they didn't ask us because they knew that the freedom was you had all the money in the world. You had enough money for that gift. Yeah. And it was watching them kind of figure it out is, uh, was a kind of a fun process to see them, you know, grow and go have to kind of suffer through some things. Yeah. But but it taught them and it taught them well. Both are very good money managers today at 23 and 25. Mm. So wow. it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, it's funny. All these, these thoughts are coming back. Stories are coming back of, of just that giving them the freedom, but yet 
unfortunately, when you get freedom, you also, you get the responsibility that comes with it. You do. And first of all, that's gold, um, right there for sure. And I want to, um, address two things, but first head back in your conversation and talking about detaching yourself from that emotion of the consequences, because I completely agree with that. And we do that in our home too. Like this, this is what happens and this is the consequence. And it's so nice to be able to just walk up to them when they know that they now have this consequence and be like, I'm really sorry that, you know, this is your consequence now. And, um, I, I hope that, uh, it goes better for you next time. And just, you can, you can be there as a support for them while still being the enforcer of the boundary. If you have that set consequence, you know, put in place and you don't have to have the emotions. And I don't know about you, but for me, especially with four, I forget the consequence. I was like, what consequence are you in? What did I do last time? Did that work? You know, and I'm just all trying to, I have this Rolodex of, you know, consequences. So it was so freeing for me to just have this, you know, A, B, and C happen, then A, B, and C happen, you know, and then you can just move on from there. Everybody knows where everyone stands and that's, it is what it is. Um, so I love that too. It, you can still be a loving, caring parent without getting your emotions all in a bundle over it. Negative, uh, the negative, like mad emotions and the negative, sad emotions and the, and the shame and the guilt that they're trying to, sh- you know, pour on you. Like, would you really do that to me? Well, <laughs> I didn't do anything. That wasn't me. That was your choice. Um, and they will try to throw those, uh, those guilt and shame balls your way for sure. Um, so anyway, I love that. And then really giving them responsibility over their finances. I think finances are a very, very underutilized um, uh, education that our kids are getting. And I know when I went into my adulthood, my first day on campus at the university, there was 25 credit card companies literally like, oh, sign up here. You'll get a free t-shirt. I was like, I like t-shirts and then I'm doing it, you know? And they're like, oh, sign up here and you get a sticker for your dorm window. I'm like, ooh, I like stickers, you know? And I, <laughs> I was so, and then all of a sudden, guess what? I graduated college, like $40,000 in debt, mm. not from student loans. I didn't have any student loans. That was just in credit card debt. And I had to go, then I'm an adult now, graduated college. I have my degrees, I'm in the workforce. Now I have to go into debt consolidation. That was the first year out of college for me because I had no idea how to manage money at all. And so it's it's very important to both of us, you know, uh, my husband and I, we met our freshman year of college. So all of that debt was, uh, mutually made. Um, (laughs) it was not one-sided, uh, that was between the two of us, um, that 40 K, but yeah, it was a hard lesson to learn right out of the gate, but we learned it. And then like so many of these, that cycle repeated itself over and over. I mean, we never had to go into debt consolidation again, but that, oh, it's okay. Like credit cards aren't real money. Let's just give them this, you know, pretty card and then you can do this. So uh, just super kudos to you guys for really instilling what money management looks like when it's out, it's out and you need to make the decision on where it's going to go when it's there. So I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, I know that you are such a great storyteller and you've even told some here, 
but with the girls being, uh, what are they? 23, 25 now? Mm-hmm. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. That's insane. I know. Um, uh, anyway, so <laughs> I all of a sudden felt really old. Um, anyway, so, uh, it would tell me a story about one or both of them in what they're doing now and their, you know, post 65, 70, this post, you know, 18 plus that you have seen that you, because of the way that you have parented, they are showing up as leaders and very self-disciplined in their own lives. You know, I, my girls could not be more different. They are just complete opposites. And, you know, we laugh. I have one, my youngest daughter, uh, sixth grade through 12th grade, went to stay in two separate sports. I mean, she, you know, when you talk about leadership and discipline, that one was disciplined and, and just, and it showed up a lot. She was on student, she was on student council for four years. And, you know, every, kind of all that typical leadership that you would expect that she portrayed that. Um, My other daughter, on the other hand, I called her my sports sampler. The girl went through every sport six months in, she was bored with it. And, and so, but what I see that leadership, how she shows up versus that influential leadership Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. comes more under the radar, but you see it there as well. And so, you know, I, I guess I would say, I think all of us have that, those seeds of greatness. I love Dennis Whaley talks about we're all given the seeds of greatness. They're there. They may look different um, in our kids. And so I think it's, it's on us as parents to be intentional, to dig in and find those, that leadership, where it is in them and how it comes out in them and to, to really nurture it. And so you know, I, I kind of think of two different stories. Um, my, my youngest, um, who had more of that discipline, just that she's a go-getter today. She's in corporate real estate and just excelling there, loving it. You know, she wants to be the youngest. I don't even know her, the, the youngest. I think it's called senior broker. I think that's it. She wants to be the one to hit that, the youngest one year into her career. So that's never going to change. That's who she is. But, you know, with her, it was kind of more of sometimes when you got that strong of a personality, it's kind of at times kind of pulling them back a bit in, in creating just that a more humble spirit. And then I remember for her, it was, she was getting ready to go off to, it was a sports camp and And I remember just saying, you be as competitive as you want on that field, but something in my heart, I I always ask God, what is it I need to be really instilling in that child at that point in time? And it was almost like God was saying, you need to work with humility. And I remember saying, when your feet walk off that field, I want you to think, how can I take a backseat to others and be humble and put the spotlight on other people? And I want you to think about that. And it, when, you know, God shows up and, and utilizes it when we seek him and him giving me that thought. And it was a very unique thing happened in that she got to camp and her whole school kind of all the kids that went were housed in, you know, I don't know, I guess it was cabins or something. And one girl got they had one person too many. She got put in a cabin with a whole nother school. And 
was difficult for her. She didn't want to do it. And someone goes, put Sydney in there. She can do it. Won't bother her. And Sydney goes, she came home to tell me, she goes, it was like the last thing I wanted to do was be put in a cabin with a bunch of kids I didn't know. But she ended up going into the cabin and she came home and she was like, you know, mom, it was really good for me to be in with, it just really made me realize how good God's given me with the school I'm at, the home I'm in. And it really gave her a whole new perspective. And so, you know, to me, seeing that, that teaching that leadership is also being a servant as well. And she needed to see that end of the, of the spectrum on leadership. Um, my, my oldest daughter, we, every year for 10 years, we went to Uganda on a mission trip and, you know, watching my daughter who is, is more, you know, always say she flies under the radar, but, you know, watching her have the ability to step up and lead a team at 18, halfway across the country or the world, um, you know, and seeing that just the influence that she has had on that village in Adichar, Uganda, um, you, you see that they all have the, the potential for leadership. It's putting them in those positions and challenging them mm. um, to step into the leadership in their own personality. So um, I, I'm a huge fan of personalities, uh, testing and really getting to know those kids yes. and where they'll flourish and how they'll flourish and then encouraging them. So that may have been more um, than you wanted. But. No, that was so good. That was so good. And yes, same. I, I don't feel like a enough parents and kids know one another very well. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if, and that's where vulnerability comes in and really being true to yourself. And if you can truly know your kid and they can truly know you, then the communication walls fall and crumble before you. And it's, it's, it's wide open. Um, but to touch on your point, uh, right before we close is just, I, I do believe kids, um, and you know, I, kids, uh, I hate to say that word almost sometimes because people are like, oh, just like little kids, you know, and it's, it can be condescending sometimes, but they have such potential. They have such potential. And when I look at other cultures, I mean, you look at Uganda and things like there are kids that are way younger than 18 running households and doing things that we wouldn't even dream of, you know, having our kids do over here in America. Uh, but my point is they can, and they can thrive. And there's so much that they have the potential to do. If we just give them the room, the responsibility, the boundaries to grow inside of and do. And so, um, yeah, I love, I loved having you on here today, but before we go, is there just like a quick little, uh, maybe, I don't know, two minute or so, one or two minute uh, piece of advice that you would love to give our listeners in order to have them grow uh, with their kids and grow this uh, self-led discipline, this leadership within their family. What is something, a great takeaway that you can give them? Well, I think as parents, I mean, we always are learning and growing. And even though my girls are 23 and 25, you know, I think, um, developing that relationship and helping them understand you're on a journey too, mm. you know, and together you're growing. And, you know, I think, play, I think being intentional is to me, first and foremost, 
And then it's, then it's, you know, learning and growing and planning um, to be successful and to grow in those areas, um, as well as um, just giving them the opportunity to fail and putting them out there and not being, I think I, I credit my husband a lot for that is we've got to give them an opportunity and be okay if they do fail, mm. because that's where you grow. Yes. And that's in, in not being so hard on um, them. Um, so I think one wanting to, to learn as much as we can and, you know, talk to as many people as we can. You know, I think I can, names are coming in my mind of people that we reached out to as parents saying, how'd you do it? Give us some advice. So for parents learn, um, and then, and then really teach your kids to plan to grow in all those areas and then have systems that help you succeed. And I, I, one of my favorite things, my husband always says, you know, systems are a dime a dozen, but if you want to be successful, you better have one. And I think that holds true for parenting as well is creating those systems, those plans, and then just, you know, developing that relationship with those kids, talk mm -hmm. to them. Yes. So many kids don't, they don't have anyone to really process and talk. So, mm-hmm. So true. So true. Yeah. If I had a, if I had a, um, a recording of a lane in my head that I would remember, it would be that systems <laughs> saying <laughs> I've heard you, I've heard you say that so, so many times. And, um, but thank you so much for being on. And I love that you apply, uh, this leadership and this discipline to everything in your life, from your personal life, to your marriage, to your parenting and uh, what you do in your career and your business and health and wellness and all of the people that you help with uh, in that, your team and clients and everything. It really shows through and you've always been such an inspiration to me. So thank you for being on here today. Oh, thanks for having me, Natalie. I enjoyed it. Oh, well, have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Just for listening today, I want to give you a free gift called the Family Success Vault filled with tools you can start using right away to bring intention, strength, and joy to your home through self-led discipline and leadership. This can be found at NellieHarden.com forward slash vault. NellieHarden.com forward slash vault. And thank you for being a part of the conversation today. And if something really resonated with you, please connect with me on social. I'm on Facebook at Nellie.Harden or Instagram at Nellie Harden. Lastly, if you loved this information, please leave us a five-star review so more and more families can be impacted by harnessing the strength of these ideas and tools in their own families. Happy building. Can't wait to see you next week, family architects.